guys welcome back to the show thank you so much for listening if you're new and wondering what africa arena is all about we are a pan-african ecosystem accelerator and our mission here is to help african startups connect to the right people to access bigger markets so they can go on and impact their world in each episode we chat to all sorts of people who play a role in building the african tech ecosystem we unpack the many insights around innovation growth challenges mindset and investments and we hope that by sharing these incredible stories about failures and their successes and everything that they've learned in playing in this ecosystem, that we can obviously teach you something, you can learn something to implement in your business or in your community. And at the same time, we can change a perception and narrative about African ideation and innovation. And if there's one place where the people are forced to innovate, it is most certainly on this beautiful continent of ours called Africa. Right, let's get stuck in, shall we? Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Ali from Facebook. Uh, I, uh, it's my first time in Cape Town. I arrived uh, yesterday from London. And the most wonderful thing, more wonderful than the beauty of your city and Table Mountain, which is very clear and obvious to anyone arriving, more wonderful than any of this is the fact that none of these guys yet, and we've known each other an hour or so now, none of them have teased me about the rugby which I think is a miracle. So I feel very welcome, very lucky. Um, I'm sure it will happen at some point. The only, the only person that's mentioned the rugby so far was an Uber driver, who the moment he heard my accent was very keen to make his point. So, uh, so that's fine. So I feel very welcome. Um, so I work for, for Facebook in partnerships, and um, I'm joined by these uh, three amazing guys uh, representing three amazing companies. And they, they fit with the narrative of uh, Facebook really well. Um, we ho host a conference once a year in California called F8. And at that conference, Mark, our CEO, stood on stage and he painted the kind of 10-year timeline trajectory of Facebook. And it starts with the platform that we have today, so the blue app that I assume most of you in the room know which is our kind of consumer platform. And what's really nicely attached to that is James from Quicket, who uh, builds uh, a company around um, events, ticketing, um, and that plugs into Facebook on that platform. And the original Facebook kind of social network that we all know is, is best thought of as like a town hall. It's a place where you come, you have conversations en masse with like many people at, at, at once. But as we've seen, there's been this uh, evolution of conversation uh, into a more private sphere, right? Most of our conversations happen in our living rooms, at homes with our friends and loved ones. And so the growth of Messenger and the growth of our messaging platforms, WhatsApp, et cetera, has really um, is taken that approach of trying to uh, build tools and services um, for that world. And not only is this kind of private communication between people, it's also between people and businesses. And so I'm joined by Antoine, who uh, powers FinChatBot, uh, which helps uh, some of these conversations take place. So that's kind of the next stage of our, our journey. And then if we look sort of more into the distance, sort of the next three, five, maybe even 10 years, there are emerging technology platforms, AR, VR, which um, is now used by a relatively small subset of the population, but we think is becoming increasingly popular and powerful. And so I've got Glenn here, uh, who represents Seamonster, um, who builds these experiences uh, for this market and beyond. So I feel like we've got a really good representation of uh, Facebook's kind of present, future, and then like sort of distant future, or we're moving in that direction. Um, but I, I think it's useful that we get to know the, our panelists. So um, if you guys wouldn't mind starting us off by giving us a bit of a background as to you personally and then your businesses. So sure. Antoine. Should I start? Sure. Cool. So I'm, I'm Antoine. I come from France, as you can hear. We didn't win the World Cup. Very frustrated. <laughs> 
make it happen. Um, so I moved in South Africa about five years ago to start my first uh, entrepreneurial uh, story, uh, lead gen business based out of Cape Town, and realized that uh, we were doing most of our revenue with, uh, with financial service providers, so doing leads for, for uh, insurance and banks and pretty much realized that the customer experience was very poor. I don't know if you guys have experienced that, but in South Africa, it's very highly call center driven, and the experience is taking you on a 40 minutes journey to get to an information, and if, you don't, if you're not happy with this information, you need to start again. That's pretty much why we started uh, um, my, my last business, FinChatBot, is try to uh, use conversational commerce, conversational AI-driven uh, um, uh, experiences in order to uh, educate better, uh, provide more information, and at the end of the day, sell better. And we pretty much part of the um, Facebook ecosystem because a lot of conversations happen on, on Messenger, which is one of their, their platform, and uh, building those use cases for businesses is, has been a very, very uh, insightful experience because it's a complete new way of interacting with customers. So, yeah. Um, based out of Johannesburg. So we proudly South African, uh, developed by South African engineers. I'm the only Frenchie of the business. Uh, but yeah, we have access to uh, really amazing talents to build that capability for the African continent. Awesome. James? Great, yeah. So I'm James Headley. Um, we, we started Quicket uh, in 2011, um, straight out of university. Uh, I think 2011, if I remember rightly, was the last time we beat you guys in the um, <laughs> I told you it wouldn't take long. <laughs> I told you. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, we finished UCT. It was myself and two developers. Um, okay. How's that better? It was myself and, and two developers living in a little flat. And we said, you know, we, we don't want to start a go work for some company. Let's, let's start a business. And we sat down to try and think of a problem that we could solve. Um, and so one thing we all kind of agreed on was that collecting money from groups of people was, was quite a problem. Um, you know, if you wanted to get a present for uh, your, your friend or a wedding or whatever, there was really no way to, to collect all the money and bring it into one place. So we aimed to build something that facilitated that. Um, anyway, we built it. We realized there was no market for it. And so we said, well, who, who does need this? And the, the, the short answer was small event organizers. So at, at the time in South Africa, there were, there were lots of ways for big event organizers to sell tickets, comfort ticket, web tickets, etc. cetera. Um, but there really was no way for uh, an event organizer you know, who wanted to sell two, 300 tickets to collect their money for an event. Uh, and, and the reason for that was because the incumbent players um, had really boggy old-fashioned systems that meant they had to load every single event up and manage every single event. So, so we built a self-managed ticketing platform. Um, you know, and the idea was very much to give people a, a set of tools that empower them to bring their event concept to life. Um, anyway, so we, yeah, so we started in 2011. The company kind of, it's pretty much grown 50% year on year since then. Uh, to date, we, we have about 2,000 events going at, at any given point in time. Um, it's still largely South Africa, uh, but we've got a huge focus on, on growing into Africa. We, we think Africa is a really exciting market. Uh, the population is going to double in the next 20 years or so. There's huge potential for wealth levels to increase. And, and if those two things happen at the same time, um, you know, 
uh, Africa could become a $10 trillion market pretty quickly. So, so that's where we're going uh, with Quicket, and yeah, that's, that's what excites us. Um, let's see if this is working. Is this working? Yeah. Um, hi, so I'm Glenn, and uh, yeah, Sea Monster was founded when I was uh, 43, so this idea about young startups and so on, and the data that confirms most businesses actually started by people slightly older. I have a passion for knowledge businesses uh, growing out of South Africa and being able to take on the best in the world. But I guess my belief is really around wanting to be part of a new narrative, you know, a new story that we're telling ourselves as humanity, as Africans that we're taking to the world, but also as South Africans. And I, by mistake, I ran an animation company for a couple of years that was making stories for Disney. And I saw this incredible pool of, of storytellers, and I realized that if we could create industrial processes to help companies tell their stories, whether it was consumer engagement or um, loyalty, true loyalty, not just rewards, um, and education as a real strategic business opportunity. And so Seamonster does animation. But I guess the disease that we all face is hopelessness or the sense that through our own actions we can't influence the world around us. And um, how do we make sense of interactions, have rules and feedback? And so games, and particularly what's called serious games, which are still fun, by the way, but are driving business purposes. And over the last eight years, we've grown to uh, 35 full-time people, 10 plus 10 engineers. We've worked a lot in uh, financial education, so we, we believe that entrepreneurship and so on is an area of business opportunity for corporates where they need to grow their own customers and, and so on. Um, and then we have access to technologies like augmented reality and we were very early on seeing that this was going to be a really new way to engage with the world and you could create a sense of engagement and excitement and then more recently with virtual reality. So yeah, that's what Seamonster does. Great, thank you guys. Um, listening to the, the previous panel, uh, it was really interesting hearing them talk about uh, different markets and how Places like Israel is a very tiny market, so they're very export-driven. Um, obviously, the U.S. Is, is often kind of focuses in on itself. I'm wondering how you feel through your businesses about uh, the South African market, and is that where the majority of your business happens, or do you look further afield? Um, so on our side, we're focusing on the financial industry, and pretty much 80% of the value of the financial industry is concentrated in South Africa okay. so, compared to the continent. So the big opportunity for us to prove our economic model and, and, and the, the, the first years as a startup is actually happening in South Africa, but the scale overseas is very interesting, especially tackling the multi-language capability, being able to chat in other African languages, that's what we're currently building. Uh, to bring more education, more knowledge, more awareness around financial uh, products and hopefully uh, sell or inform better. Uh, but the big picture, yes, as, as um, you were saying, um, Ar Africa is going to be a 2 billion people market in a um, couple of uh, decades with 75% uh, of people less than 30. So the youth of the globe is actually, will actually sit in Africa. So this is happening now. Now mm. it's time to invest and, 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 and explore those, those markets. And are you seeing, it's interesting talking about the demographics and how they're shifting to a, a younger generation. Yeah. Are you seeing that they are more willing to uh, interact with 
financial services, which I guess people traditionally think of as as very traditional kind of you know industries, are there, are they are you finding that younger people are more willing to talk uh, to these sorts of banks and things like through a chatbot? Is that becoming the norm? Um, so yeah, we realize that they don't necessarily know that it's a chatbot. So I would say uh, chat is definitely the future of interaction from consumers to businesses, mm. clearly, because call centers are uh, too um, strict. It's 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. It's, you have to, be, to have some time explaining your situation. The line cuts. You have to start again. It's, it's quite a friction or painful experience. Mm. So chat to business is clearly, and you see more and more interaction through uh, the WhatsApp platform, mm. uh, where you can access to simple services, but it's very, very efficient. I'm thinking of Safair that uh, has done a really good job of sending you your boarding pass automatically on WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. Very, very great experience. But we need to build up the capability and do more services, access to more services. But the bigger picture behind that is multilanguage for me is the future in, in, in Africa because we will be able to educate better. Because at the moment, the big issue is trust, trust in financial services. You have a lot of informal um, uh, financial education and informal just financial um, um, experience. So uh, building up the education and the, the capability of explaining a product, the importance of being insured, the importance of building your financial wealth uh, in uh, local languages is opening much bigger door uh, mm. for, the, for the market. I feel like if you can solve the language challenge for Africa, you can solve it for the world. So uh, yes. It's a good place That's to prove a yourself. That's vision yeah. even, but yeah, yeah. correct. Cool, nice. James. Yeah, so look, I think any ambitious entrepreneur has to have their sights set on a market that's bigger than just South Africa. You know, at the end of the day, it's still only a $350 billion economy with, with, with 40 million people, which, which is a, a tiny portion of the, of the globe's wealth. Um, being in Africa, we're obviously ideally positioned to solve the, the unique African problems and to innovate and build solutions that can allow you to you know, profitably uh, build businesses that, that work and solve all these kind of problems that Africa really needs solving. Um, so, uh, yes, I, I mean, I, th I think um, expanding into Africa is, uh, it's got to be critical and front of mind for anyone who wants to big, build a, a, a big and valuable business. It's a long-term project. A lot of these markets are still pretty small, um, but they're growing exponentially. And, and if you can get in on the bottom floor, uh, build things that really work, you'll, you'll create an entrenched position in, in the long run in, in, a, in a rapidly growing market. Yeah, I think that it's, um, you know, we often don't think of South Africa as having an advantage. I, I guess we, we're so caught up in everything that's not working. But <laughs> we are multicultural, multi-language, out of the gate. Um, we're just busy with a massive project in the States to build a big entrepreneurship platform there for kids. And one of the reasons that we won that project is because we were thinking about low bandwidth environments, working online and offline. So this NGO tends to focus on marginalized kids, or what we call kids. Um, and hmm. you know, it's things that we just take very much for granted as we build out our solutions. Um, I agree with you too, James, that it's, you know, the world is a very big place and we're all in the digital economy. I mean, back to what Facebook does, one of the things that it does is on the back end, it gives you that scalability. I mean, we've all got this $100 billion IT department, it's called Facebook, but on the other side, we've also got access to markets. And so if you're thinking about the world and you're thinking about the niche, um, 
almost geography doesn't matter in mm. some sense. I mean, maybe more so for your businesses than, than ours. If we can find access to pockets of demand that have common cause everywhere in the world, you know, curated communities is a big part of, of what we believe the future of commerce is going to be about. Um, and yes, we're thinking globally. The other thing here is that we've got our economy is filled with friction, back to the reality. I mean, it's tough, tough, tough out here. Our corporates are um, slow sometimes to make decisions. They're filled with bureaucracy. Um, the government is essentially non-existent as far as uh, a, a market enabler is consistent. Um, apologies if this is somewhat contentious. Um, you could be describing the UK right now, by yeah, the way. I'm well, just exactly. Saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was about to say, it's not that different anywhere yeah. else. But so, so you have to think about a world, and the world is a big place. And if you can make something work here and get traction here, you can really make it work anywhere. Yeah. Cool, thank you. Um, I would like to just return the conversation to Facebook a bit, so oh. thank you for that. Um, <laughs> I, the interesting thing is you guys all I think use the Facebook platform, which is a word that is so broad that it almost becomes meaningless. Um, the Facebook platform in very different ways, and, and some of them are tied to geography, some of them aren't. So I'd like, it, if you can, to, ex to just sort of talk a bit about what are the Facebook technologies that you use, and what does that enable your business to do that it perhaps otherwise would not be able to do if it wasn't for Facebook? Sure. So on, on our side, we're using um, one platform uh, predominantly, which is the uh, messenger platform. So we connect, we try to create those conversations for businesses and uh, managing them, which is kind of the critical part of, uh, of our job, is not necessarily to create the conversation, but more iterating and, and finding this sweet spot of uh, high satisfaction from a user's perspective. Uh, so the platform, I mean, it's uh, pretty much a self-service platform. Uh, we, uh, we, it's, 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 um, it's a bit of a challenge to connect, not necessarily to the platform, but integrating the legacy systems of banks, insurance companies, and what we want to try to achieve uh, uh, on the platform. But that's one of the, the core capability, and the obviously the, the ad platform, uh, when our customers are ready to advertise and use uh, our, our solution uh, to enhance the customer journey, uh, advertising that on the, on the whole platform. And the, the, the conversations that, you're, um, that you enable through Messenger, um, are they kind of pre-sale conversations, or are they more on the kind of customer care, I've got a problem with my account, that side so, of things? So we try to focus on um, education and sales. So really trying to sell or pre-qualification, as you, as you were saying. Because we start selling on other channels like a web chatbot. Uh, we can do the full fulfillment. Uh, Facebook, we're waiting for the payment. Uh, it's coming. It's coming, <laughs> so very excited by that. Um, however, what we've experienced is consumers or the whole audience is actually reaching out to Facebook Messenger to do customer service. So we have uh, an education or a branch or, or trying to guide the user back into the sales scenario. But Facebook uh, Messenger at the moment is mostly used to um, tackle cust customer service uh, queries. Got it, I see. And, and have, you, have you got any data or any comparison between like a traditional uh, flow, you know, fill out a web form, email, someone will email you yeah. back versus Messenger? Um, uh, I don't have exactly this data. What I know is the chatbot a little bit more globally uh, is getting uh, quite a bit of traction in terms of uh, conversion. So we're having a, a conversion rate that is uh, between 10 points to 15 points higher than a normal 
um, um, form. The big difference is you, you, can know some, you can have access to some behaviors of users. So if someone gets lost, uh, a form is not going to help you, but the chatbot can identify that there is a la latency of your response in a certain question and, put and push back more content to try to guide you better in the whole journey. Mm -hmm. So on, on that perspective, we're getting quite a bit of traction. We're also comparing a similar period of time uh, last year versus this year on a specific brand that we're working on uh, with Facebook, and we're getting 10% uh, growth in revenue. So there is a massive growth in, in, chat, in conversational commerce uh, from a static perspective to, uh, to the, the chatbot itself. Right? And I guess just, I'm just sort of thinking as you, you talk, like I, I think when we talk about the, the challenges for scale and language being one of them, of course it's much easier to, to languageize, if that's a word, chatbots rather than a call center because yes. it's ju it just makes sense. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. The only challenge is uh, what we call natural language processing. So a user would be able to ask any question to the chatbot. The chatbot is going to understand and respond the right content. But that's the whole difficulty is you have what you hear in the streets in, in, in South Africa is half a sentence in English, another part in Zulu, and then a few <laughs> words here and there. And so you need to combine that into, uh, into one solution that is the bigger, the bigger picture and the bigger, biggest challenge. Got it. Cool. Yeah, so you, you mentioned um, how Facebook is something like a town hall earlier. Um, or I think, you know, in our context, with a focus on the small event organizer, before Facebook, the only way the small event organizer had of marketing their event was to literally walk into that town hall and put something up on the wall <laughs> and hope that the, you know, the local community might, might see it amongst all the other little ads for gardening services and everything. Um, so it's, uh, f from the small event organizer's perspective, it's, it's a critically valuable marketing tool because it helps you discover your clients, the, the potential people out there who want your product and service. And, and I think it works both ways. You, know, you want a particular product and service, Facebook helps you connect. It creates this two-way connection between um, people providing something and people buying something. And you know the the difference being, and what well, the value as I see it is that it's it's a solution that works very well for the long tail. So lots and lots of small suppliers they they have a very unique customer base, and and Facebook provides a, a, a probably the only way for them to find that customer base. Um, so. Um, you know, over the years, Facebook's been a, a critical part of our, our growth. Um, I checked this morning, I think um, around 40% of, of all our traffic, and, and I, would, I, I would suppose uh, revenue actually comes directly from Facebook, a lot of it mobile. Um, and so, you know, as, as a marketing channel, it's absolutely critical. And then I think the other thing you've been touching on, uh, it's, we, we run a call center, um, that call center's supposed to be serving the, the whole of Africa. And what you quickly realize when, you, when you're running a, a call center in Cape Town and people are calling you from Kenya, uh, that there's a whole lot of problems. Uh, and, and the most obvious one being that the phones just don't really work properly. Um, and then, you know, you can't actually get, they can't speak the, properly because this, this guy's got such a, a strange accent or he's not, he's not speaking English or you don't know where he is. Um, and then the whole call center all has to be locked into one place in one room. So it's not scalable. And you can't actually, you can't actually monitor what the people are doing because you can't monitor six phone calls happening simultaneous. 
quickly. So from a, from a customer support perspective, um, it's, it's clear that there's massive, massive potential in, in using some of the tools that, that Facebook's created. And we're going to be focusing on that uh, in, a, in a huge way in the years to come. Thanks. Um, so the bits that of the ecosystem that we focus on is augmented reality. So that's just putting a digital image into the real world. And uh, one of the challenges has been to date is that uh, you need an app um, in order to enable the functionality. It's, it's, it's very strenuous because uh, the camera is looking at the world. It's trying to recognize things. It's trying to render out animation. So one of the most demanding things on your phone can do is actually be in an AR mode. And slowly, slowly, what's happened in the background is Facebook has uh, enabled their camera as an AR, um, as to, to have AR capability. So instead of downloading a an, an, uh, separate app, you actually have an AR camera right there. You guys might have noticed recently that um, if you use your camera for QR, you, you used to have a separate QR reader, and now your camera is basically the same thing is, is what's happening uh, behind the scenes with both Facebook and now more recently with Instagram. So you remove one friction point, but what's really clever about it is that they've gone for very wide functionality as opposed to very deep functionality. So what I mean by that is that um, it's gone for face recognition, and it's tried to make face recognition work on as many devices as possible. So there are more than a billion AR-enabled devices out there already, many billion, in fact. Um, and Facebook has made sure that this functionality is working on the lowest common denominator. And then they're slowly starting to peel off things like surface tracking and eventually um, these other more advanced forms of augmented reality. So. If you think that AR is just about doing a funny mask, you've completely misunderstood the nature of how AR is going to fundamentally change the world around us. And I can back that up by giving you an example. It's called GPS. And if you think about it, it is a form of augmented reality. It's taking a digital element and putting it into the real world. And that is how ubiquitous AR is, is going to become in the, in the in, in years, really. It, this is not decades away. This is imminent. So a quick example is if you're buying uh, sunglasses, you often take a friend uh, along because, you know, I'm a, do I look like an idiot in these? I'd like I need some help. So, yeah, you're seeing all these funny glasses and things in the current use cases of, of face masks. But actually, there's a trust gap that we can close. We can close the commas gap. We can fulfill right from there. And you can do that without installing a new app. So, so watch this space or, or don't at your peril because it will impact on every single business out there. The other part of the ecosystem that we've um, fixated on, and only recently so, is the virtual reality space. So that's me in a total uh, digital environment. And you know, for the last five, six years or so, we've actually been downplaying VR. People have been coming to us and we're saying, listen, the ecosystem's not there, the install base is not there. And, and frankly, all of this changed for us in about July this year when Facebook launched the Oculus Quest, which is the first wireless um, headset. And at the front of the um, exhibition area, you can go and experience the Table Mountain VR experience that we, we're creating on the Oculus Quest. And again, um, you know, there's no coincidence that the social network is putting billions of dollars behind virtual reality. There is a plan. There's a very clear understanding that the future of 
our connectivity, our learning, our experiences is going to be at least partially virtual. And, and I can say to you with a great degree of confidence that the distribution problem, although not entirely solved, is well on its way to being addressed. These devices are 8,000 Rand all in one, um, and the Quest really is the first time you can go and deliver 100 devices somewhere or 10 devices or people might even start to buy them on their own and create that ecosystem. So those are the two, I'm going to call them fringe parts of the ecosystem and then everything that you guys are saying around commerce and enablement is mm -hmm. also true. I think it's interesting that you refer to them as fringe parts of the ecosystem right now, but they're, they're clearly becoming increasingly core. And I think the, the services that we talk about are clearly going to merge in interesting ways in the years to come. Um, just about the this, this sort of Spark thing, I was in the Tate Britain in London uh, a few weekends ago, and we have a thing called Spark Spots. So you, you hold your phone up, not, not to a QR code or any sort of marker, just the painting itself on the wall. And it kind of springs to life, and it tells you a bit about the history and in a way that a a placard next to the painting could never do. And I went with my, I have an eight-year-old daughter who you know, was dragging her around this museum. She wasn't particularly happy with this experience. But suddenly she engaged in a way that she would otherwise would never have done, having you know, read the blurb about the artist. And it was in that moment that I thought, OK, this is interesting. Like, there's, there's definitely you know, a lot to come uh, to enable these things. And the thing is, is now that you can put stories over that, you know, again, the clue is at the top of the timeline. And stories are how we make sense of that. So can you collect all the Picasso? Can yeah. you follow a particular genre of art? Can you find five hidden images here? If you really want to engage eight-year-olds and 18-year-olds and 80-year-olds, games and stories are how this functionality is going to be delivered back to them, or at least partially so. Makes sense. Uh, so we're, we're sort of running out of time. We've got a few more minutes. I just have kind of, I guess, one question for the remainder of you, and then we might open it up for a few minutes. Um, this is a, perhaps a dangerous question, so please be kind. <laughs> what is it about Facebook that you might change or you would want us to see invest in on the platform to make your, your businesses grow faster, bigger, and to make your life a bit easier? Um, so on our side, so I think it's actually some, an initiative you guys are already doing, but I'd love to see it more in Africa, is being able to build POCs with you. So collaborating, co-building something that could solve a business problem or an audience problem. Um, that would be uh, uh, really fantastic. And I know there are some initiatives, but maybe too little in my opinion. And, um, and yeah, opening up more the WhatsApp platform. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Because WhatsApp <laughs> in Africa is very powerful. Got it. Thank you. Yeah, I, th I think we're still waiting for our WhatsApp to stop working. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm getting a theme here. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think from our side, um, ticketing is very much about collecting money. Collecting money in Africa is still a real nightmare. You're dealing with loads and loads of currencies. Um, a lot of the payment systems still uh, they still don't work properly in many cases. Um, and so I suppose what I'm saying is I'd like to see Libra coin working, <laughs> but maybe that's not a reality. Um, but you know, if, if that, if I, I suppose the, the vision behind Libra coin work, working in Africa, um, that could really solve a big problem for a lot of e-commerce companies like ours. When you, can turn, when you can take the whole of Africa and turn it into a, a single market that you can target um, with with one API that doesn't exist at the moment. You know, right now you have to do 20 different integrations. You need bank accounts in 10 different countries. 
uh, and it's actually just prohibitively expensive and complicated. So a lot of people are not doing it. So payments, um, and then I think you know, opening up some of that functionality that allows businesses to interact with their, with their clients would be extremely valuable. Thanks. Um, for me, I, I think on both the AR and VR uh, platforms, less so on VR, but particularly on AR, uh, is discoverability. Um, it's really hard to find these things. It's very cluttered, and we haven't quite figured out how the trays work, etc. So there's a, a big piece of work that needs to be done around helping us kind of uncover that. Um, I, just to pick up on something Antoine was said, is that you know, let's assume that South Africa and Africa doesn't have a supply problem. Let's assume that we have a demand problem. You're saying, yes, please, give us work, open up those partnerships, bring us uh, opportunities to scale our businesses. It is often two guys sitting in their underpants on their couch who come up with great ideas. Were well, well, you in your well, underpants? Yeah. But you can uh, South African, South African. <laughs> yes. so If you had won the rugby, you would know it's all about the underpants. We'll explain it to you later. Wow. Okay. Um, wow. <laughs> I think I'm glad I lost yeah, by the yeah, sounds no, of things. Harry, <laughs> you know, yeah, anyway, um, but, you know, so, but it's also about businesses that are trying to scale. And I, I'm saying, assume that we might be able to contribute something to that and open up opportunities to us. So we, we always wanting to test whether we're as good as we think we are or how we can partner with other people and learn other things. But we need access to markets and Facebook is the, a marketplace, but on every level. Got it. Okay, great. Uh, so I don't know if we have a few more minutes to open it up to audience questions. Two questions only. Okay, we better make them good. No pressure. Thanks. Um, it'd be nice to know more about Facebook and what tools actually exist that an ordinary business can use. So we kind of get exposed to Google and Amazon services and all these other things, but Facebook, I'm totally unaware of what's out there. And mm -hmm. if you had some maybe walk-in center, it would make a lot of sense, as opposed to just a virtual connection to someone on the other side of the world in America. Um, that would really help, because maybe you've got a whole lot of tools that would be fantastic with my business, but I mm. just have no idea what they are. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's more of a statement than a question, but I'll try and, <laughs> <laughs> I'll try and answer it in the best way I can. Um, we have a keynote tomorrow. Uh, my colleague, Proud, who's somewhere in the room, um, is at the back there, uh, is giving a keynote, which is a, a broad overview of our platform tomorrow, so I'd encourage you to attend that. Um, we have extensive documentation and, and um, case studies, all sorts of things online. Um, and we are in the region. We have a big office in Johannesburg. Um, you know, we, we think of Africa in the same way we think of other regions, in the same way we're investing. Um, we are a smaller company compared to the other two that you listed, and we're still growing significantly. And um, it's definitely something where we can do better, uh, but I think we're making steady progress. So go to the keynote. Okay, great. Second question. All right. All sorted. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you, guys. Can we put our hands together for the panel? Thank you. If I can just ask the panel to just maybe step to the back of the room and just hand the microphones. Glenn, move. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was really insightful, guys. Thank you.